What if you could ask Jesus three questions about the last days, events that are going to happen and take place? Would you be interested in knowing his reply? I would. Well, we're going to look at the answer that Jesus gave to three questions that his disciples asked him about his return, about the end of the age. So stay tuned to this third episode. Hi again. Okay, we're back now on episode number three, and we are looking at Matthew chapter 24, and in our last episode, we finished talking about the verse chapter, uh, verse two of Matthew 24, where Jesus spoke about the judgment that was coming upon Jerusalem. And uh, we know from history that that took place in AD 70, when Titus, the Roman, uh, came in and destroyed the temple and raised it to the ground. And Jerusalem uh, came under tremendous judgment. And I believe Josephus says there was about a million Jews that uh, were killed. And it said that blood ran in the streets. That's how bad it was. However, um, in uh, the book, uh, chapter Luke, uh, Luke chapter, um, chapter 19, let's see if I got this right here because... I'm just going by memory. In Luke chapter, um, no, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 19 onwards, in your patience, possess your souls. He goes on to say in verse 20, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And Jesus warned about what was coming. And when the Christians saw that the armies of the Roman armies were coming against Jerusalem. They all they remembered the words of Jesus and they left, and not one Christian perished. And so, um, those that paid attention to the prophetic words of Jesus, they were they were saved. And in the same way today, if we will listen to what the Word of God says, if we will listen to what the prophetic word says, uh, we can save ourselves a lot of problems. We can actually find ourselves hidden in the times of judgment because we are uh, seeing what God says in his word and we're applying it in our lives and we'll be like the house that stands firm in the storm. And so now in verse chapter 3, uh, Jesus leaves the mount, uh, leaves Jerusalem and he has to cross what's called the, the Kidron Valley. It's a valley between Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And uh, as you cross the Kidron Valley, you go up and to the Garden of Gethsemane and then you go up to the which is on the Mount of Olives, and then you go up to the very top, to the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus goes up to the Mount of Olives, and he sits down. Now, he's a rabbi, and um, generally the rabbis uh, would walk, as they would walk um, with their disciples, he would be teaching them. But when he had something of great importance to say to them, he would sit down. Now, Jesus did not begin to speak to them on the way up to the Mount of Olives. He waited till he got to the Mount of Olives to begin to talk to him about these events that were going to come. And the reason why he sits down on the Mount of Olives is because this is a, a very important place in prophecy. This is one of the things you have to look at 
when you look at the Word of God, you must look at where prophecy is being stated. Where is the prophetic word coming from? Where, what is the place? What is the area? And so Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. Now, why is that important? Well, if you go to Acts, Acts chapter 1, and uh, Jesus is being received up into heaven. Uh, in verse 12, it says, They returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. A Sabbath day journey is about five-eighths of a mile. And so Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, and here in Acts chapter 11, he went up in the clouds of heaven. And verse 11 says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I, I want you to, we're going to follow this through Scripture, but it's important for you to understand where he is at. And if you go with me to Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah chapter 14, Jesus returns physically. Now, um, there are people that believe that Jesus is coming back, but it's just his presence and he'll be here for a thousand years. And then the second coming is after the thousand years. And they're wrong. I just simply they're wrong. That's not what scripture says. Uh, Jesus left physically with his glorified body. He's returning physically with his glorified body in his glorified body. And uh, he has to fulfill uh, Old Testament prophetic scriptures about uh, the throne of David and him sitting on the throne of David. See, King David had a promise that he would have a son, an heir, uh, that would be on his throne forever and that would rule. And one of the joys and desires of the Jewish people is they are looking for the return of their Messiah. And um, we will look at that in, a, in, in another episode of what happens when he returns. Maybe it will be in this episode. I don't know if I get there and, uh, right now. But we will be looking at how Jesus comes and what they will say to him. And so in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, and it says, his, his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus is very clearly uh, left, very clearly left the Mount of Olives and very clearly will return to the Mount of Olives. And when his feet stand in the Mount of Olives that in the future... He is coming to deliver Israel from her enemies. And so it's going to be a day uh, unlike any other day. Uh, and it says, verse 7, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And uh, so the glory of God is going to be manifested and uh, in, a me in a measurable way. And uh, he may be prolonging the daytime like he did with Joshua. Uh, so verse 9 says, And the Lord shall be king over the earth, and that day shall there be one Lord in his name, one. And that begins the millennial reign. And the millennial reign is governed by the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, we can see this in verse 16, And everyone will come to Jerusalem year by year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so coming back to Matthew chapter 24, I just wanted you to see that very, very clearly 
that the Mount of Olives is a extremely important prophetic uh, place in Scripture. Uh, that is where Zechariah chapter 14 and Acts chapter 111, that is what we refer to as the second coming of Jesus. Now, the first coming of Jesus was as a baby in Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Let's just read that for a moment. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. And, of course, Bethlehem means house of bread. And David was, was from Bethlehem, and Jesus is from Bethlehem. He's the greater son of David. And uh, so... He's upon the Mount of Olives, and he sits down. Now, I'm sure that Jesus knew, because we read in Scripture that he was able to perceive the hearts of men, and he knew the disciples were just itching to talk to him. <laughs> so, he's going over there, but he wants to sit down where he's going to go up, and he's going to explain things, and they're able to look over Jerusalem and over the Kidron Valley, which is also called Jehoshaphat's Valley, which is a very important uh, place. And if you want to just have a reference there, we can go to Joel. Let's just uh, put this down for a moment. Uh, we'll go to Joel uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the heathen round about. And... Um, Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. God brought Jerusalem back, Israel back, in 1947, 1948. And uh, the nation was born again. And so, then verse 2, he says, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people. And so we have to understand that even today, Jerus Jerusalem is surrounded by her enemies. You have people like uh, the, Ira uh, the Iranian government, uh, the nation of Iran, who, is, have, who has said many times they want to wipe off Israel from the map, and Hezbollah and um, other organizations that want to destroy Israel. They are constantly surrounded by their enemies. Um, and God is going to allow this. And you say, why would God allow this to happen? Well, it's because the nation has not accepted him as their Messiah. And um, now I do have to go into this. So let's just go to Zechariah chapter 12 for a moment. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 12. And uh, we have to understand what the Lord is trying to accomplish with Israel as a nation. Um, Israel has been very, uh, as, a, as a nation, very difficult, very stubborn, and they have not uh, accepted the Lord. Now, when the Lord descends upon the Mount of Olives, you're in Zechariah chapter 12. Just put your finger there for a moment. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses is prophesying um, to the people of Israel, the children of Israel. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32... Verse 39, this is what the Lord is going to say when he descends on the Mount of Olives. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I deliver. 
I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift my hand to heaven and I live and I say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and I will reward them that hate me. And I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. So the Lord descends upon the Mount of Olives. Now, when he descends, Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verse 2, says the Lord is going to gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. That's what he says there also in Joel, which I just read a little bit ago. Joel chapter 3. And when the Lord goes and fights against the enemies and delivers them, Israel, out of the enemies, then in Zechariah chapter 12, um, let's see here. No, Zechariah chapter 13, I'm sorry. Zechariah chapter 13, we're going to look at 12 here in a moment. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 16. Uh, they're going to look at him and they're going to say, you know, we have waited for you. This is our God. You know, we have waited for you. Now, that comes um, and, and from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That word salvation, incidentally, is Yeshua. <laughs> So, um, so they say, we have waited for you. The Lord descends. He does his work. He brings vengeance upon his enemies, delivers Israel, and, uh, because Israel can't deliver herself. And they say, oh, we have waited for you. And then, as they see the Lord, verse 6 of chapter 13 of Zechariah, and one shall say unto him, what are those wounds in your hands? And then the Lord will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And so they're going to see the nail prints in his hands and his feet. And they're going to say, wait a minute, where, where did you get that from? And he's going to say, in the house of my friends. Now, in verse 10 of chapter 12, let's look at verse 9 first, chapter 12, verse 9 of Zechariah. And it shall come to pass in that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. And so all of Israel will mourn. All that are left there will mourn. They will realize and they will accept, uh, recognize their Messiah. So that is why Jesus, God has to allow these end time events to take place because he's going to deal with Israel as a nation. But he's also going to deal with the church. And so back to Mount of Olives, Jesus sits down and the disciples come to him privately and say, tell us when shall these things be? So there's three questions they're asking him. Number one, when will these things, these, thing, these things be? In other words, when will Jerusalem be destroyed? And then number two, what shall be the sign of your coming? So they know he's going to return. 
And so, obviously, uh, the Lord has talked to them about his return. But they want to know about the sign of his coming, and they also want to know the end of the world. So these are three questions that the Lord is going to answer. Now, I will quickly answer the first one. And we will go to Luke again. Luke chapter 21. And Jesus spoke about the days of vengeance and verse 20 to 24. And he talks about the city falling by the edge of the sword in verse 24 and being led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trotted down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so when did that take place? When was Jerusalem destroyed? We know from history that was A.D. 70. So Jesus approximately A.D. 30, 29, A.D. 30, uh, 29 or 30 is prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem. Forty years later, it takes place. Um, revival came before judgment. And so Jesus, uh, I'm just answering that question for you right now. So Jesus does not respond to them immediately. But four times in, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus spe speaks of deception. And he starts off saying, listen, don't let any man deceive you. For there are going to be many that are come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And so, in other words, there's two ways you can take this. A person says that he is the Christ, and deceive many. And there are people out there in the world today that say they are Jesus reincarnated, and they're deceiving many people. Well, it doesn't take uh, much of a discernment to discern uh, that that's false. But what is more difficult is those that believe in Christ and say that Jesus is Christ. He's the anointed one. And yet they deceive many. And there's a third one that says, um, I, Christ means anointed. I am anointed. In other words, I'm an anointed one. And they follow this person because of the, quote, anointing that's on them. And they deceive many. And uh, so they come in the name of Jesus they're anointed. I'm an anointed one. I am a, you know, uh, anointed of God. And they, because of the anointing that's on them, because of what they're able to do, uh, people are captured by that. But the doctrine, the teaching is what pulls them aside. Um, and so I'll repeat that. There's really three ways you could look at this. The first one is someone says, I'm Jesus reincarnated. The second one way is saying that, um, yes, Jesus is the Christ and they deceive many. And then the third way is Christ means anointed. I am the anointed one. I am anointed one. And I'm the, uh, you know, the great apostle, the great prophet, etc. And they deceive many. And so there will be many that will come and they will proclaim Jesus. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said this very clearly and uh, uh, giving reference to those who will be anointed and those who will be very gifted. And um, they will cast out, they will prophesy in his name and they will cast out devils and do great things. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. But he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Now, you cannot cast out demons um, without being born again and spirit-filled. You know, you cannot do these miracles and, uh, except through the Holy Spirit. 
And so it's not those that do these miracles and who are anointed that will enter into the kingdom. It's those who do the Father's will that will enter into the kingdom. And so uh, we want to stop right here and we will continue with our next session. Stay tuned to episode number four, where we will learn that the end is not yet, and we will understand what Jesus meant by saying, these are the beginning of sorrows.